the title of my message way back then, a few weeks back, was An Overlooked Blessing. You know, when we looked at Psalms 103, verse 2, it said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of my benefits. Forget none of the benefits of God. When we think of our salvation, so often as Christians, we think of some of the benefits, and they're all great benefits, you know, starting with forgiveness of sin, starting with a peace and a joy and a hope that we can have in Christ, all part of the wonderful benefit package of our salvation. We, we, we've been reminded, and as a church, we've really uh, delved into what God has for us in the promises of healing and deliverance. You know, that Jesus not only came to give us life, but he came to give us an abundant life in Christ. Do not forget all of his benefits. Well, I think one of the benefits that we forget way too often is prayer. You know, we, we have those people that are called to pray, those dynamic intercessors. And as important as that is, that there are certain people called to maybe a deeper level of prayer or greater commitment to prayer, we're all called to pray. It's part of being a Christian. It should be a normal part of our Christian life. And as I'm going to review very briefly a few things from our past messages, just to remind us, when God created us, when he created Adam and Eve, and he placed them in the garden, we have been created for fellowship, for communion with him. And we know that a problem occurred in the garden called sin. That sin separated man from communion with the Father because of our sinfulness. He couldn't even look upon us. But he came up with a plan, the solution to the problem through Christ. And really, the Bible tells us it was a plan that was formed. We found the foundations of the world. He knew we were going to sin. And sometimes some people say, well, why did he even give us the choice, for goodness sakes, if he knew we were going to blow it? Because free will. Free choice is an important aspect of real love. We choose to love God. We choose to love the Lord for what he has done for us, but first and foremost for who he is, just who he is. And he came up with the solution. And then for whatever reason, God in his wisdom, and we've got to remind ourselves of that sometimes, God in his wisdom has chosen to give you and I an important role in advancing the kingdom here on earth. Think about that for a second. The sovereign God, the creator of the universe, omniscient, omnipresent. Oh, my goodness. And he says, guys, you're part of the plan to advance the kingdom through our prayers, through our finances, through being the hands and feet of Jesus, through evangelism, all of these different things, carrying out his will. But a significant part of it is prayer. You know, ask anybody in missions. And I'll tell you, they'll tell you immediately how important it is for them to know that they have people praying for them, praying for their work, praying for their protection, their provision, prayer. How many of you have ever said, I could feel the prayers of my brothers and sisters in Christ when I was going through that situation? It's such an abstract way to think. It's such such an ethereal thing, but it's such a very real, real thing. And we have all been called to be part of what God wants to do through prayer. And we saw when we were looking in, we were looking in the Gospel of Luke first at prayer. When we were looking at where what we call the Lord's Prayer is in Luke. And we started with the verse where the disciples, it said they had seen Jesus praying. He had went away to pray. And one of the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And we talked about how significant it seems to be that of all the things, all the things that those disciples had seen Jesus doing in three years of ministry, this is the thing. 
that they came to him and asked, Lord, teach us how to pray. And we talked about how it's not like they'd never seen prayer. Most of them were Jewish people who had been part of the Jewish tradition for years and years and years. They had seen prayer. They'd practiced prayer. Their leaders, the Pharisees, prayed such as it was. So it wasn't a new thing to them, prayer, but there was something special about what they were seeing. They saw in Jesus prayer taken to a whole different level. They saw in Jesus a life of prayer, a life of dependency, and a life of humility. Here he is, Jesus, the Son of God, and yet he said over and over to his disciples, I don't do anything unless the Father tells me to do it. I don't even speak unless the Father tells me to do it. And really, it ought to resonate in us if Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, was so dependent and willing to humble himself to such a degree that he didn't do anything or even speak anything without prayer, what, what, what should we be doing? Shouldn't we be praying more? You know, in the Scripture, it, it doesn't tell you how many hours to pray. It doesn't tell you how many times a day to pray. But it does tell us in everything. In everything. In Galatians, um, No, it's wrong scripture. Thessalonians, I believe it is. We're told to pray continuously. To pray continuously. Now, you could say, well, that's not possible. And really, it's probably not possible to actually be praying 24-7, 365. But what it really is referring to there is having that continual attitude in our life, an attitude of prayer. You know, our first thought, whenever something comes across our paths, whenever we're going to do something, is to pray. And I know if you're like me, you get busy and you don't do that. You get overconfident in yourself and you don't do that. You think, I can handle it, so you don't do that. We're to pray. Jesus recognized his need to pray. We need to recognize ours. Paul expresses in in Galatians chapter 2 what a Christian life should look like. And he said in verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved and gave himself up for me. It's no longer I, but it's Christ living in me. Living by faith, dependent upon God, spending time in prayer, hearing his voice, learning to hear his voice, communion and fellowship. As we spend time in prayer, I guarantee your faith will grow. Your confidence in God will grow. Your trust in him will grow. As you get to know him better, you will discover how faithful he is, how he is always there. He is always present. And all of a sudden, this relationship that God desires for us begins to take real root in our lives. So prayer is no longer something we have to do because we're going to eat a meal, something we have to do because we're supposed to say a nighttime prayer, and those are good things, but it's something we desire to do. It's something that's in us that we desire this intimate time of fellowship with God. I mean, think about what you wouldn't do if you could have a sit-down conversation at your kitchen table with God. What wouldn't you do for that opportunity? I I know what we would. There's nothing I wouldn't do for that. If I could sit down with a cup of coffee and have God right there, oh my goodness. We got it better than that. 
He lives in us. His Holy Spirit lives and dwells within us. He's given us his word to reveal himself to us in further and further ways. You know, we have Jesus who walked on earth to identify and connect. And we have this great privilege. And yet, prayer is one of the hardest things that seems to develop in a Christian lifestyle. It's so contrary to our culture of activity. It's so contrary to the culture that's taught us that we can do all things through ourselves because we're so good. We need to remember Jesus relied on the Father. He humbled himself. He became dependent, and that's what we need to be. Praying without ceasing, as we're told in Thessalonians. So that's a brief review. How many of you remember all of that? Good thing we reviewed so before I go to the, the, what we call the Lord's Prayer, or the Disciples' Prayer, one of the questions I sometimes get asked is, um, who do we pray to? Who can I pray to? Is it, you know, it might seem silly. Maybe you've never thought this, but I get asked this. Can I pray to God? Is it okay if I pray to Jesus? How about the Holy Spirit? And I won't even list all the other things we were taught to pray to, some of us. So I want to just address that very briefly. When we look at the Lord's Prayer, Disciples' Prayer, in Luke chapter 11 or Matthew chapter 6, in Luke it starts this way. It says, when you pray, say what? Father. Father. And in Matthew chapter 6, it says, pray then in this way, our Father. So it's very, very clear from, from the instructions that we see of Jesus himself that it's okay to pray to the Father. Now, I know that's not new revelation. To, I hope that's not new revelation to anybody here, that we can pray to the Father. And the reason we can do that is because as children of God, he has given us permission to do that, and he's done it through Christ. There is only one way to the Father. I want to stress this because, first of all, a lot of us grew up in different religions or denominations. And second, we have got a world out there, the culture is trying to tell us that there are many ways to God, We all serve the same God. We all just need to come together and unify as we worship the same God. Well, that's garbage. That's a lie. There is only one true and living God. That much is true. But not all denominations, not all religions of the world serve the same God. And there aren't many ways, there aren't a number of paths to God the Father, the one true God. Listen to a couple of these scriptures. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. How do we get to the Father? Through Jesus. There is no other way. Through Jesus, his Son. If we are all worshiping the same God, we all would have only one way to get to him. Through Jesus. Any religion, any denomination who denies The deity of Jesus Christ, his divinity is all God, all man, is worshiping something that we are not familiar with. Now that sounds intolerant in our culture. Shoot, there may come a day when I can't stand in front of a church and say that. But it's the truth according to the word of God. That we have one mediator between God and us. In 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 through 6, it says, This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants everybody. That's his will, that all would come to know him, know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And then it says, for there is one God, but there's only one mediator between God and man, 
the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all of us. In Hebrews 9, it says, For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. And again, it says, When we sin, we have an advocate before the Father. Guess who the advocate is? Jesus. So first and foremost, we understand, yes, we pray to the Father, but there is only one way to him. One way to him. And we need to, as his children, as his missionaries to the world, not be afraid to declare that and share that with people. And again, always with love. God so loved the world that he came and gave his only son. We need to be willing to share that with love. It's not loving to allow someone to worship in such a way that they're worshiping a false god or an idol. There is only one way to the Father, and that is through Jesus. There is no other man, and I'm saying Jesus was the God-man, but there is no other man and there is no other woman that has ever lived or will ever live that we should pray to or through. Prayer is an act of worship. Praying to or through any other human being is nothing but idolatry. That's what it is. Now, it's not our job to run around condemning everybody, but we need to understand that truth, that there is only one advocate, there is only one way, and it's Jesus. There's no other way. So we can pray to Jesus. When we pray, can we pray to Jesus? I can't remember what I just said. But can we pray to Jesus? The answer is yes. First and foremost, because he is God, right? He is God. Now, if Jesus... Disciples came to him and said, teach us how to pray. It would have seemed a little odd to say, pray to me. Because they didn't even get it yet. But he could have. But we have other evidence in John 14, verse 13 and 14. It says, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And then he says, if you ask me anything, I will do it. So we can ask him. In 1 Corinthians 1, it says, We who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We who call on the name of the Lord is a phrase that's commonly used throughout Scripture for prayer. We can call. We can pray to Jesus. In 1 John 1, 3, we proclaim to you that we have seen and heard what we have seen and heard, that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship was with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. A critical aspect of fellowship is communication, communion talking to and listening to. We can have fellowship with the Father through our time of prayer, but also with the Son, Jesus. So yes, you can pray to Jesus. Don't get religious on us and try to tell everybody how to pray. They can pray. You can pray to Jesus. How about the Holy Spirit? Once again, the same rule applies. Can you pray to the Holy Spirit? Of course you can. He's God. Of course you can. Now, in the Bible, we see no direct example of anybody praying to the Holy Spirit. And I think there's at least one reason for that. The Holy Spirit was sent to point everybody to Jesus and to the Father. But we can clearly see, first of all, he's God. And then in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14, it says, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the 
fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The Greek word for fellowship there is koinonia. And koinonia means fellowship and communion with. If we want to fellowship and have communion with the Holy Spirit, we can pray to the Holy Spirit. You know, the Father is the giver of all things. Jesus is access to the Father. And we're powered in our prayer life by way of the Holy Spirit. So, don't get religious. You can pray to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit. But pray. Pray. Okay. Now, this is going to seem more like a class, and some of you that took the class recently at the academy up at the Relco Tech Center, the, we're going to look at a, a method of praying because it's crazy how we as Christians and so many of us say things like, I don't know how to pray. Or we're embarrassed to pray because we don't think our prayers will sound right. Or I pray so bad, not even God wants to listen to me. <laughs> it's not that hard. We're going to look at a simple method, and there's other methods. And this one is simply uses an acronym, ACTS, A-C-T-S, ACTS. Easy to remember. It's like the book of ACTS in the Bible. So ACTS. And when you look at this, we're going to look at praying. And, and again, remember, this is a model. And the, the Lord's Prayer is a great model for using this model. It's not a religious thing that you have to pray this way. But it sure is helpful. I don't care how mature we are in our walk. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. What is prayer? Prayer is simply communing and talking to God. I mean, it's, it's always amazing when you when so I don't know how to pray. I says, can you talk? Then just talk to him. And then if you, you begin to understand that he calls us his children. He calls us his friend. He loves us intensely. He sent his son to die for us. He wants fellowship with us. He doesn't care what it sounds like. If you can't do King James English, that's okay. I think he would say it's even better. It's just talk to him. It's communion with him, fellowshipping with him. And this is simple ACTS acronym as a model for doing it. And we're going to combine it with the Lord's Prayer. And I'm going to do this quickly. Matthew 6 is where we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. It's a little more complete the way we know it than it is in Luke. But look at the first part, adoration. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be our name. Adoration and praise. Starting your prayer life, your time of prayer, in adoration and praise. Just declaring who he is, who he is and what he's done. Just praying, God, you are so amazing. You are the creator of all things. You know all things. You're present everywhere. You'll never leave me nor forsake me. You are holy. You are righteous. You get the point, right? You could go on and on and on and on. And at first you may stumble a little bit, run out of things to say, but it will come to you. I think the Holy Spirit loves it when we praise God. God inhabits the praises of his people. There is power in praise and adoration, just recognizing him for who he is. And one of the things that it does, it reminds me of who he is and who I am. He is God and I'm not. 
it should bring a sense of humility and dependency as we're adoring him and praising him and thanking him for his attributes, just declaring who he is. And there's so much more I could add. The second part is confession. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Confession. Remember, once you have been saved, once you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when Jesus said those words on the cross, it is finished, all sins were forgiven, past, present, future. They're all done. We don't have to repent for our salvation. But sin is a barrier in our life, unconfessed sin, that prevents the kind of communion and intimacy God wants with us. So, God, just search my heart. And confess whatever he shows to you. Confess, God, I've been prideful. God, I I said some hurtful things. God, I've neglected you. God, thank you. In Christ, I'm forgiven. Thank him. Even as you're confessing, thank him that it's already been forgiven. It's a done deal. It was done at the cross. Confessing our sin and then our sin and confessing corporate sin. I mean, when we pray, we need to be confessing even the sins of our nation. Confessing these corporate sins before him but bringing them before him. Idolatry, pride, lying, wrong priorities, your thought life, selfishness, the list could go on and on and on. But I just want to encourage you that when you do confess, thank him that you are already forgiven. I mean, if we forget that part, all of a sudden we just beat ourselves up into being some worthless piece of garbage. And it's not true. You were the child of God, created in his image. So confess it, but thank him for your forgiveness. And the intimacy and the barrier is removed and the intimacy can be restored. It's simply a way, confession really just allows us to draw closer to God. The T is for thanksgiving. And really, thanksgiving should permeate everything as we pray. But the section of the Lord's Prayer, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. All things, the scripture tells us, all things were created for his glory, including you and me, our marriages, our family, everything, the trees, everything was created for his glory, all things. We need to thank him. We need to thank him. And you know, when you start thanking him, you might be in such a state emotionally or mentally that you think, what have I got to be thankful for? Breath, clothes. And once you start thinking, but thank you that I've been saved. Thank you for your grace that you extended to me when I didn't deserve it. Thank you for my wife, my family, my husband, my children. Thank you so much. God, that we've got gas in the car that I can go get groceries. I've got money to buy groceries. Thank you. And we can go on and on and on. I I don't care where you're at in your life. When you start giving thanks, despair will lift. Problems don't go away. They're still going to be there. But all that despair, all that oppression is going to be able to to be lifted from us. You know, thank you. You had a fight with your wife? Thank you for my wife. What a blessing. Except for today. No. <laughs> Pray and give thanks for those things. She'd love to get even. <laughs> and she probably will. But Thanksgiving. You know, Thanksgiving really really removes pride. You know, when I'm giving thanks for all these things, it's hard to be too prideful. I I mean, I wouldn't have anything if it wasn't given to me by him. Nothing. 
I mean, who, thank him for your health. Enough. And S, for supplication. Supplication fits the acronym better than words like request, petitions, or intercession. But that's what supplication is. It's just coming to ask him. And there's actually three parts of the prayer that I would say apply to this. Give us this day our daily bread. Give him the, ask him, for what, is he, what do you need today? God, thank you. I need, I need some water. I need food. I need this. I need that. Lord, thank you that you promise to provide. You know, we always want to be praying according to his will, and he says he promises to provide us all of our needs. Thank you, God, that you promise to provide our needs. Today, I need this. Your petitions go up. Being grateful for what he done, but asking him for more. Spiritual bread. Asking him, God, God, I need your word today in me. Lord, take something from your word, that spiritual bread, something that's been deposited in me. Bring it up today. I need it today. Feed me. Let me feed on that. It'd be helpful if you go to read the word, but hopefully you've got some of it already in your head. He provides all of these things. Our daily bread. Notice our daily bread. I believe we can stretch that to include praying for the needs of others. So it's not all about me. Lord, there's hungry people. I know this person down the street that needs. Pray, praying for their needs. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. I believe that's another aspect of supplication, requests that we can be praying. God, I just need your grace today to get through the tough times. I need your grace today to get through the circumstances that I am in. Thank you, God, that you promise that your grace is sufficient in all things. Ask for protection from everything that's evil. As it says, protect us from evil, whether it's spirits or your bad, rotten attitudes. Or in some senses, there's political things. When we pray, praying for the persecuted church, living in countries of persecution, we can pray in our supplications for all those things, asking God to protect, watch over. And lastly, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's God's will? Your will be done. I know it's God's will that none should perish. I'm going to pray for my family members that don't know the Lord. I'm going to pray for my neighbors that don't know the Lord. We're going to just pray for God's kingdom to be advanced. It's the will of God. Your will be done. We can pray for all of those things. Friends, family, that they would accept Christ, discover what salvation really is. We can pray for God's will. I believe, we believe, and we teach as a church, it's God's will through the atonement to heal, to see people delivered to see people walking and living the abundant life. We can pray accordingly. We can pray for the sick, that they would be healed. We can pray for miracles. We can pray for all of these different things because we know that, and we sang this song. One of the things, I don't pray about this too often, I always try to balance it because there's so many people that aren't saved yet, but are you praying for the Lord's return? God, come quickly. Not just when you're in the middle of a mess, but Lord, come. Prepare your bride that we might hear the trumpet sound that our bridegroom is coming. And as we do all of this, simply the acronym ACTS, when you pray, too many people, too many of us, me too many times, I start with supplication and end with supplication. And it's all about me and my issues and my problems. Dear God, help me out of this mess. Fix this, fix that, heal this, heal that. I, 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 we need to start with adoration and praise. We need to start by getting ourselves right so there's no barriers between us and him through commission.
commit the confession of sin and follow it with prayers of thanksgiving. It puts us in the right place with a holy and righteous God. We have set him where he belongs in our life. We are coming to him now in humility and dependence. God, all these things that I'm about to ask you for, they can only come from you. And because of who you are, I can pray with confidence, knowing that you hear, and as I pray and ask anything in your will, it, it is already done. The Acts model. So I don't want you to get bound up and religious with it, but I do want to encourage you, especially if you're one of those who say, I don't know how to pray. You can use this simple method, and it'll help you, and it'll bring you into it's probably the most important thing. As you do this, I believe wholeheartedly that it'll draw you into a closer relationship with the Father and with his Son and with the Holy Spirit. And that's what God wants, and I think that's what all of us want. Let's close in, pr- in prayer. Lord, I thank you and praise you so much for all that you are and all that you do, even today, even this morning in our lives. God, I thank you and praise you that our sins were dealt with at the cross on Calvary over 2,000 years ago, that there is no sacrifice needed and there would be none sufficient. Lord, I thank you that the veil was torn and we can come in boldly before your throne of grace because of what Jesus did. God, we praise you and thank you. Lord, I pray that for each one of us here, as we cry out, Father, we can do that because we are your children. And the only way that we're truly your children is if we've acknowledged in our own lives that we were sinners and that we needed a Savior and that Jesus, your only Son, was the only acceptable sacrifice, the only sinless sacrifice who could pay the price for our sin. And Lord, that you've extended the grace to receive that gift of salvation. And therefore, we are called your children. Lord, I pray that there's anyone here who's never done that. Today would be the day they would come to that realization and surrender your Holy Spirit. Become part of your family. In Jesus' name, amen.